Welcome to the Beargrass Christian Church podcast. My name is Dee Decker, and I'm the Director of Communications here at Beargrass. This week, we begin the season of Epiphany. The theme for the messages and worship services during Epiphany will be Eyes to See. The stories that are usually associated with the season are the discovery of the Christ child by the Magi and the baptism of Jesus. The wise men followed the light of the star and saw Jesus for the first time. The gift of the Spirit to Jesus during his baptism helped people see him in a new way. Generally speaking, an epiphany is a moment of sudden revelation or insight, aha moments. In the church, we talk about God moments, times when we catch a glimpse of the glory and greatness of God, and times when we get it and gain a clear sense of what God is calling us to do. This week, Reverend Rob Schrader looks at Matthew 2, 1 through 12 in his sermon, Eyes to See Things Differently. Here now is Reverend Rob Schrader. Morning. If you have been following the e-news and the other publications of the church, then you know that we are starting a new sermon series. Except if you've paid close attention, the uh, publications that came out said we're starting it next week. Now all of this fits within, and I'm sorry this will reek of Lee Bond's humor, but the, the theme for the year is 2020 vision course it is, right? But the theme for the first quarter of the year is eyes to see. Eyes to see. And this is various aspects of the faith that we're going to talk about. Eyes to see temptation, eyes to see opportunity, eyes to see forgiveness, uh, various things that, that we can work on. Now, Lee thinks we're starting this next week, but he's in Mexico. So we're kicking it off today. And we're going to talk about eyes to see things differently. I wonder how often in our lives we we take our assumptions or the ways in which we know situations and people and we sort of cubbyhole them in that spot. And that's all they ever get to be in our vision. So I wonder as we interact with one another or ourselves, do we allow ourselves and each other the freedom to grow and to change so as to be all that God is calling us to be? And we talk about eyes to see things differently. It feels right to reach back to Monday of this past week and grab our epiphany scripture. Uh, it's one that, that we, we well know. It's the visit of the, the Magi uh, to visit the, the baby Jesus. Now, I want to start out here by saying that your manger scene on your mantle at home, well, it's probably put away by now unless you live in my house and it's still out, uh, is wrong. Uh, there's no biblical account where we have shepherds and animals alongside magi. It just looks good on your shelf, but Luke and Matthew tell the story very differently. And so we spent a lot of time on Luke's story because that's kind of the pretty one. And then for at least a week or two, we circle back to Matthew and we see a whole different image of the birth of Christ. We see magi, these, these wise men, and we see King Herod. And so we go from the lowest of the low over in Luke's gospel to the highest of the high, the king. Uh, of, the, of the land. I really kind of like that because it's this reminder that the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the grace of God is for all people. Now, who are these kings, as it were? Ironically, they're never called kings anywhere except the hymnal. And we don't even know how many because the only place we're ever given a number is, again, the hymnal. 
It's amazing how much one hymn has changed the way we think about things. Now, we often say three because of their gifts, but uh, who are they is magi. That's all Matthew gives us. We think that that's the plural form of the Greek word magoi, which is often translated as magician or astronomer or astrologer. These guys would have been uh, experts in horoscopes and the movement of the stars. And so we know there's more than one because it's plural, but there might have been 20 of them. We really have absolutely no idea. But what some have argued is these guys might have been Zoroastrian priests. Kind of interesting, huh? Zoroastrianism is one of the oldest religions in the world. It's practiced even still today in places like Iran. And uh, the, the, the practitioners of the religion follow a, a holy person named Zoroaster. Zoroaster, get this, was miraculously born to a 15-year-old virgin, began his ministry at the age of 30 after defeating the temptations of Satan. Interesting, huh? That sounds like a familiar story. So you see the kind of crossover and parallels that are happening here. You see what Matthew may be doing with this. Zoroaster believed that or proclaimed that other prophets would be miraculously born in the same way that he was and that you could foretell these births by the, I'll give you one guess, the stars. And so there goes the logic that it could be that the Magi are following these stars to come and find this most holy of births. If they had held to their religion, rather than having eyes to see things differently when they encountered the Christ child, how would this story be different? See, that's what we're working with today. The ways in which we can see each other, ourselves, the situation, all of it. Do we have eyes to see things differently? The youth and I got back uh, Monday evening from our annual ski trip to Perfect North, and I am proud to report that we have changed one major tradition uh, within our youth group, uh, and that is we, we did not make a hospital run this year for the ski trip. I, thank you. I appreciate the applause. I really had nothing to do with it, uh, other than just admonishing them not to get hurt. But last year, the, the slopes claimed one kid's collarbone and one kid's wrist. And when I was lamenting this fact, they told me, oh, don't worry. That's just the way we do it here. <laughs> Is that right? It's a bear grass thing, they told me. And I said, well, I've, done a, I've tried very hard to honor your traditions, to come in as the youth minister in a program like bear grass. You need to do that. But I said, there are some things that just have to change. Amen? I've got youth and parents over here. Thank you. And so we, we changed that. We had one turned ankle. I'm still not sure how you do that in a ski boot, but we did it. I was on the top of a hill, and I got a text from John Wilhoyt that said, taking one to ski patrol, turned ankle. And I said, you're kidding me. Two hours into the trip, thankfully she was okay. And tubing by the next day, and then I had one scraped thumb. So no major injuries, thanks be to God. However, I think... I'm really honest about it. The biggest injury of the trip, well, it wasn't one of the kids. I consider myself to be an average to proficient skier. My experience is exclusive to youth, youth uh, ski trips. Uh, that, that's all I've, I've done. But before coming to Beargrass, I'd taken a bunch of kids to West Virginia, Pennsylvania. You know, we've, So I've learned to ski. I can ski well enough to get a new skier up on skis and moving. That's pretty much it. Now, they grade ski slopes along four uh, kind, of, kind of levels. You've got the green bunny slopes, the learner slopes, the blue intermediate slopes, like most people can do it, the, the black diamond uh, expert um, slopes, and then the double black diamonds, which are you have a death wish. And, and so 
I know myself. I am a green blue skier and that's it. I don't need to go over here. I have little people that call me dad and I have a day job. So there's no need for me to be in these black diamond levels. I'll leave that to Jeremy and John and Laura and you know, the experts, they can do that. So I spend most of my time on these ski trips with the youth, helping the new skiers on the easy slopes. And I'm comfortable with that. I, I went Sunday and we, we kind of got going and, and I got my skis and we started, started working. And I have to admit, nothing felt right. I tried skiing. I stayed up other than some random kid from another group took me out from behind. I'm not bitter. But uh, I was up. So seriously, I, how do you miss me? I'm 6'3". But anyway... But nothing felt right. I didn't have near the control I was accustomed to. I was just kind of slipping and sliding, and it, was, it just felt weird. Now, I didn't really know what was going on. I have to be honest, I attributed it to declining levels of fitness associated with advancing age, and it hurt a little. But nonetheless, I, I just sort of made my peace with it. Now, in this part of the country, you're not skiing on snow. You're sliding on ice. And particularly after the sun goes down or before it really gets warm in the day, you're just crunching down an ice slope and praying to sweet baby Jesus you make it home alive. And so that, that's what I did. Well, Monday, we got up to ski again. And, I, and the way you get your skis, if you've never done this, is you fill out a little paper and they ask, uh, how, how well do you ski? <laughs> not very and was your height and weight, did not change from Sunday to Monday. I circled the same thing, and I handed the lady my paper, and she plunked up their skis that were two and a half sizes shorter than I'd had the day before. I said, oh, those are sixes. Yesterday, I had an eight and a half. Her eyes got as big as saucers, and she said, eight and a half? Do you want speed? I said, for the love of God, no. She said, well, that's how it works. Shorter skis, less speed, more control. Give me that, and if you have shorter, I'll go even shorter. She looks at the chart. There's, it was a mistake the first day. There's no way. So, hey, I'm not quite the old man I thought I was. It wasn't my fault, right? So I go out. It's Monday. The sun is shining. I have better skis now. Things finally feel right. It's frozen. I mean, you're, you're on ice still, and you kind of look like Bambi, but we're getting there. The kids were all occupied Monday morning. Everybody had a buddy. They were doing their thing. Our novice skiers were doing their thing on the green slopes. Our advanced ones were I don't even know where. Sorry. Uh, they were together. It's okay. Um, and so I went up, there's an orange lift. I went up the most popular run for our group is called far side. I went up and I did far side. It was fine. I go up that orange lift again and I spend a few minutes reading the trail map. It's a bad idea because now you're feeling adventurous. There's two options up there on that lift. You can go the one that you know, or there's another blue slope called runway. And I thought, you know what? Why not? It's the same grade as the slopes I know. I can do this. So you ski through this narrow path of trees, and, and you get to the first, when, you, when you're getting to the drop-off, there's two parts of it. The first one drops off a little. That's what you call the point of no return. You're not, you're not going back at that point. It's not flat. And then I encountered three things at, at that point. I found John Wilhoyt. Uh, I found a handful of our youth, like Lindsay and Ben and them. And, and then I found a sheer cliff face. That was the path of solid ice. I looked at John and I said, oh my gosh. He said, yeah, I know it looks bad, doesn't it? Yeah. He goes, we've never done this before. I said, me either. What, is this a blue slope? Because that's what they say. He waves at me after he gets the snowboard shop. Good luck. Thanks. So I watched him go. I watched Lindsay and Ben go. Whoever else was up there. I think it was you. And then I sat there for a while and I contemplated my options. That's a bad idea. 
Because when you stand there long enough looking down at it, at this point, I'm in my own head. I'm going, I'm going to die. This, I'm just trying to decide what is the, the, the least injurious way I can get to the bottom of this thing. But after a while, I, I, you realize there's really no other option. you got to go. And so I turned my skis downhill, and I very tentatively began. Now, if you're a skier, Dale's already shaking his head. You can't do it that way. There's no way you tentatively ski a hill that's basically like this. You have to just buckle in, bite onto it, and go. And again, pray you make it to the bottom. I think I made it about 15 feet. And then I splayed out everywhere. You heard the sports center's theme in the background, right? The pole goes this way, ski goes that way. I think a leg went this way. And I slid uh, even further. When I finally came to rest, I grabbed my equipment and I sat there for a minute and I looked down the rest of this horrible hill and decided it's just not worth it. I don't want to die. And so I made the very awkward choice of kicking off that other ski, putting my stuff together, and then with all the dignity one can muster in such a situation, scooting on my bottom across the snow to the green grass, because this time of year there's a lot of that at Perfect North, and proceeding to do the walk of shame (laughs) down the hill. I was already feeling bad, but when I looked up and I looked at the bottom of the hill, there's my entire high school youth group. (laughs) I've spent a year and a half trying to convince them, even though I'm the age of your parents, I'm young, I'm fun, right? I can play basketball with you guys. I can stuff you in nine square. Apparently can't ski runway. <laughs> Graciously, they skied on. It took me a while to walk to the bottom because it would be even worse to wipe out just walking in boots, right? I was going slow. And I got done and, and got to a more sane area of skiing, skied my way back to the lodge awkwardly and figured that the worst injury of our trip was my wounded pride. <laughs> sat down in the lodge with a cup of water, a snack, and time to mull over my bruised ego. And I sulked. And then the kids came back. I knew what was probably coming. They're teenagers, and I deserved it, right? I get it, okay? And so they came in. And you guys need to be proud. Here's what they did. They said, are you okay? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, well, we saw you walking. We were afraid maybe you were hurt. I said, no, I'm not hurt. It just beat me. I knew I couldn't do it. It was beyond my ability, and I psyched myself out, and I knew I just needed to stop. And now I'm just waiting for it, right? Because now that you know he's okay, it's fine to start the jokes. Not one. Instead, they said, well, why don't you rest? Let's get some lunch, and after lunch, go out with us. We'll take you. Have you been to the other side? No, I've never. Have you been up the red chair? I can't go up the red chair. Those are hard slopes. You can do it, Rob. We'll take you. We'll show you the way. I already felt better, but I figured that was as far as it was going to go. You know, it's kind of like when you bump into an old friend at Kroger and you say, "Well, we should get together," and you both say it, but you both know it doesn't mean anything. That's that's pretty much what I figured we were doing there. Just social grace, right? So we ate our chicken fingers and pizza and whatever. And, um, and then when they were gathering their stuff, they turned back to me and they said, well, get your helmet. Come on. 
we're going. I said, you're serious. They said, yeah, we're serious. And so Lauren and Ben and Maya and David and Lindsay, this whole group of them took me out, took me under their wing, showed me slopes I'd never run before. For the next three hours, they picked me up and showed me the way. I know you called me here to minister to them, but who was the minister in that scenario? It was them. Without a doubt, you gave me the best ski trip I've ever had. I had more fun than I've ever had on skis, and it was because of you guys. And I can't tell you how grateful I am. But in that moment, what if I had responded in pride instead? I'd have said, oh, no, I'm okay. It's, it's fine. You guys go ahead. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be okay. I'm, I'm, I'm the adult after all. What, what if I would have responded in my anger? I was mad at myself, frustrated with myself. And if I had let that govern my reaction, what would have happened? What would have happened if I would have kept them in their role as subordinate, as the learner, and tried to keep me in the role as teacher? Then none of that beauty would have ever happened. You see, they were called to a particular ministry in that moment. And in this case, it was to minister their old man youth minister who can't ski. But it required a little grace to step back and let them serve. We all had to have eyes to see each other differently. And when the grace exists for us to do that, beauty happens. Ministry happens. Growth happens for both of us. And it's my prayer and my firm belief that moments like that, whether it's with youth and, and me or whether it's among you or, or any which way that this happens, that, that those kinds of things spring forth into other areas of life. And eventually what happens is you, you feel empowered that you can do this ministry and you take that into some other interactions somewhere else at school or at work or in your family. And as we allow each other the freedom of vision and of role, God is glorified and lives are changed when we have eyes to see things differently. We got confirmation that these sort of things happen this week. On Wednesday, uh, I'd been upstairs teaching the adult Bible study, and I came down and, and uh, came to my office, and there was a new envelope on my desk. Now, my, if you haven't seen my office, I subscribe to the John Hull filing system. Uh, I'm not quite to his level of expertise just yet, but give me 20 years and it'll get there. It's a similar theory, it just needs more time and practice. But anyway, I could still notice there's a, 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 an envelope on my keyboard, Sharpied Rob, across the front. People turn in forms for this or that or the other all the time, and I assumed that's what it was, but when I picked up the envelope, it was heavy and it was thick. And I, I broke it open. What in the world is this? And there was a letter and a whole big stack of money. I want to share with you the letter. Rob, during my time in the youth at Beargrass, my parents sometimes struggled to pay for extracurriculars, such as mission trips and Camp Wakandaho visits. I recall a special span of years, a specific span of years, where my parents would prompt me to choose between attending the mission trip or camp session. My surprise, I received a sponsorship from Beargrass for each of those years, allowing me to attend both activities. Reflecting on these experiences and lessons taken from each, I cannot express my gratitude for these blessings. 
camp visits and mission trips shaped the person I am today and fashioned my current relationship with God. Seeing how these grants proved such a significant impact on my life, I would like to provide a similar chance for another youth. If possible, would you please use these funds in a similar manner to provide some Beargrass youth with the opportunity to attend extracurriculars that may not be financially plausible for them. I want to show you the moment that I shared that with Stephen. Jay? I walked in my office to a envelope that was thick, and inside um, is a letter that talks about, and it's anonymous, uh, talks about growing up at Beargrass and that the youth activities like camp or other stuff, we just go back from ski trip, for instance, mission trips, all that costs money. And I'm, we talk about that, that we offer scholarships, we want to help families, and every experience we have, there are different families that need help, and we all need it from time to time. This person benefited from that when they were growing up and wants to pay it back and offered up an extremely generous donation that we will use for scholarships, for events, for children and youth, and for camp and uh, mission trip. And I, yeah, it's just a, one of, another one of those beautiful moments uh, in ministry of people that get it and want to pay back and want to share that joy uh, with the next generation. I, I'm stunned. I'm grateful. What does that mean for you as a minister and, you know, knowing that you have children who maybe can't go to camp or VBS or Mission Day Camp to know that somebody is willing to just anonymously drop some significant coin out of seeing a need and wanting to pay it forward? It just shows me that we're doing something right Mm-hmm. Um, and you never know some days our jobs are long and exhausting and we love what we do but tonight you're like are we ever making a difference is it really meaning all these hours and to get something like this just shows you you never know when you're touching somebody's life and making a difference yeah and sometimes sometimes it's the littlest things that we don't even think are making a difference we really do and that just shows it and you can Pay it forward for many other youth and children. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, thank you, whoever you are. We appreciate you. You kind of reminded us to keep doing what we're doing. It may just seem like a camp scholarship or a mission trip grant or a ski trip or something like that. But when we have eyes to see things differently, see our lives differently, and to realize the blessings that we've been given, and then to extend that to someone else, it's just the most beautiful thing ever. I don't know where you are today. If there are relationships that that you're experiencing where something needs to change, maybe your vision of someone uh, around you needs to be expanded. And I pray you'll have the grace to do that. Maybe it's with yourself. Maybe you've always looked at yourself a particular way that you can only do certain things or you can only serve in certain ways, but perhaps you're feeling that nudge or that little, that gentle push from God that, that there's more for you. And then I pray that you can expand the way that you see yourself and that you can have eyes to see yourself differently so that you can grow what you can do and grow into all that God is calling you to be.
Maybe it's a worldview issue. Maybe you've always looked at the world through a particular lens and through a particular set of assumptions, but all of us, I think, can agree, no matter where we exist on whatever political or life spectrum, that this is a weird moment in history. And I think these times call to us to open our eyes and open our minds and to consider the ways in which we relate to one another and the ways in which we're serving God inside the church and beyond. Maybe we need to get out of the way so that someone else can live their calling. Maybe we need to give something up so that we can turn and see the next thing that God has for us. But friends, I pray that we will give ourselves and one another the grace required to see things differently so that all of us can grow into everything that God has called us to be. Amen. We would love to see you around the table in the new year at one of our weekend worship services. Our Saturday service is casual and meets in the chapel at 5.30 p.m. The Beargrass Praise Team leads us in worship during our Sunday 9 a.m. contemporary service. At the 11 a.m. traditional service, the Beargrass Choir sings. All of our services include communion that is open to everyone. For more information on all the activities and happenings at Beargrass, visit our website at www.beargrass.org. Until next time, peace.